Welcome to another episode of Elite Psyche, the mental toughness podcast. Uh, I think I'm going to do away with podcasts. We're going to be called the mental toughness show. No, mental toughness mindset show. The big, big show. So, uh, but Elite Psyche is the name. Um, Came up with that because if you look up Psyche, uh, you know, it's your mind, it's your deepest uh, feelings and attitudes, um, you know, your thoughts and all of that. So, you know, I want to have that elite feeling when it comes to your psyche. You know, a lot of people's psyche was damaged early in their career or early in their life, not just a career, but early in their life. Uh, but we'll talk about that one day. But I have a uh, co-host today that I want to uh, bring up in a second. Um She's a really good friend of mine. Um, I call her my big sister. Uh, we've been knowing each other for about maybe 12 years now, maybe 13 years. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have her come up and tell you about her career and her life because, I, you know, she's been in the education system for a long time. Also, she's been doing uh, the wellness initiative programs, you know, for a while. She's kind of... No, she didn't coin that phrase, but she's kind of using that phrase that she's a part of a, we a wellness initiative program. So without further ado, I want to bring up Miss Lisa Adams Horsley to the to the show. I want to say the big, big, big show, but then I don't want to sound like, you know, Fat Joe. But he says that all the time, the big, big, big show. But this is the big, big, big show. Is that right, Miss Horsley? That is absolutely correct. How are you, Mr. Fleming? I'm doing great today. And uh, so you're my first co-host of, of Elite Psyche, uh, the mental toughness mindset show. Um, and tell everybody a little bit about your, your career and, you know, sure. uh, where you're from. Well, first of all, um, thank you for the honor and the privilege uh, for me to be the first co-host and first female co-host. That's a big, big deal. Big, big deal. Um, so I am the little sister. Let me make sure that we clear some things up because people will be watching this saying, big sister? I'm really the little sister. Originally, I'm from Atlantic City, New Jersey. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And for the last 23, no, for the last 24 years, I have been working with disadvantaged, low-income students and what that means is i help um disadvantaged young adults and adults gain access to college i love what i'm doing um it's my education initiative um 
it's one of those things that the work never ends. Um, and here recently, I've also added a wellness initiative to my education initiative as well. Same mission where I can now help um, retirees, people that are on low income, gain wellness products at 75% off the original price. Okay. So we'll make sure that people know how to reach out to you also. Sure. Uh, at the end of, uh, we'll put it on the screen. Um, but let's get to our guest, man. Uh, um, this guy I've been knowing now maybe three, four years. Actually met him uh, on the phone while he was incarcerated. You know, I was looking to get some books into prisons and I didn't realize how hard it was, how difficult it was to even to try to get anything. I didn't know how the system worked. I tried in Georgia for a long time. I called, nobody returned my calls and all that kind of stuff. So I had a friend of mine introduce me to another friend of his, Mike. And uh, we actually did an interview with Mike on uh, our first podcast. Mike is from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And he told me about this guy I'm about to bring up, Mr. Lewis Fields. And he said, man, you know, when it comes to uh, reading and books and mindset and personal development, this is the guy you need to meet because he can help you whatever you're trying to do with the prisons. And uh, so I don't, I think he, I think Mike made, gave him my number. Yeah, he did. And he connected with me, he called from the, uh, from the location he was at. And we started talking, man, this was doing, uh, um, this was doing uh, COVID, doing the, doing the lockdown. And I know we do have some, uh, some pictures of some of the things that he's doing now. Uh, I don't know if you could put it on the screen, but these are some of the things that uh, he's been doing um, since he's been out. Matter of fact, he started this while he was incarcerated. He started the uh, Books for Bruises, because he was talking to me about it. He started uh, these other organizations um, while he was actually in, in, uh, incarcerated. We were talking about it over the phone. Uh, he had people that was helping him outside. And uh, I started sending books to the program and things of that sort. Um, and, you know, we just built a relationship. And since he's out, he's been out now for a while, you know, not even a year yet. I don't think it's been a year. We could talk about that. But he jumped right into what he's doing. You know, he he believes in um, the books for kids and everything else that, you know, what, which really may cause him to be incarcerated. You know, Lewis was uh, charged with uh, a murder, you know, doing a, a drug deal that went bad, uh, sentenced to life or 15 years of life. And he actually did 22 years incarcerated, which is he went in at 19 years old. And uh, man, he's going to talk to us about what he's doing now since he's out, how his life has changed, uh, you know, uh, and why he should be, well, I don't say should, but why people should look at it differently. Because sometimes when people say somebody was murdered, well, they should be in jail forever. They should die there. They should be, well, he has a great answer for that. And, I, and maybe we can start off the uh, interview with that, of why he feels that, uh you know, the debt that he owes to society, they should give him a chance to to feel not just the debt to society, to the families and to everybody else. So without further ado, I want to bring up Mr. Lewis Fields from our green room back there. I know he's eating the cookies Hello. that we have back there for him. So Hello. <laughs> Hello. You can hear me? Hello. You 
Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> How you so, doing? The only reason I say that is because uh, when I first got out, I used to scream at all the time on the phone. Like, you hear me? Like, why do you always say that? <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? I'm always... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how y'all doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm and good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good to see you. See y'all. Good to see you. All right, man. So let's just jump right into it, man. Talk to us, you know, like I said, about why you feel that, um, you know, locking a person up, throwing away the key is not always the answer. I know you say that sometimes some people just are not going to change, but, mm -hmm. you know, person should get get the the opportunity to and you know why yeah why should a person get that so let, let's hear what you say about well, that because i know you had a good answer well the opportunity is up to the person you know if the state once you once you commit a crime and then the state gives you that sentence it's your job no matter what the sentence is i know brothers that's got off death row that's the work they way off of death row and got out right. so yeah. once you commit a crime it's your job to work towards freedom if that's what you choose to do so that opportunity is each individual's opportunity um you know i believe life is always providing you opportunities through whatever the circumstances are the things that you find difficult the things that you find pleasant it's, it's always an opportunity so the reason why guys in prison is so important to have guys in prison involved in society the reason being is we are the biggest mess ups in society. The things that we have done, no one else has done. So when you're dealing with a generation, which is not perfect, I'm talking about the youth now, I'm talking about the youth. When you're dealing with youth, that's not perfect. When you're dealing with other adults that aren't perfect and are on the same path, mentorship is important. How can you mentor someone that's in a situation that you have no idea about, that you're is alien to you? You got a kid and you don't know why your kid is destructive. You don't know why your kid won't go to school. You have no idea why your kid is headed down this path of destruction and you feel lost. This is the reason why you give guys in prison the opportunity to be released and then work their way back into society through public service, through being a servant. Um, everybody that has committed a crime owes. I believe in restorative justice. Restorative justice deals with the relationships that have been broken through crime and that everybody is interconnected. The whole of society is interconnected. If you're watching the news and you hear about something happening because in your psyche, it's been implanted now that, oh, they shot a dude over there on the street and that's where I used to go get my, my chicken wings at. I don't want to go over there now. Or you feel like you need a gun to go over there now. So the reason why we're all interconnected is because that's the only way society works. So even the criminals and the victims and the judges and the lawyers and those that have never committed crime, we're all in this together. So that's the reason why you can't give up on guys in jail because the majority of us are coming home. Mm -hmm. Young kids right now that's getting 20 something, 30 something years, they had a chance to go into juvenile, that was special. I was charged with second degree murder. I have juvenile life, meaning that I will be incarcerated until I am of the age of 21. Like you don't see it then, if you 15 and they give you like eight years, that's half your life. It seemed like your life is over. Like you can't even, you can't even comprehend what that means at the time, but you coming home. You don't die, you coming home. If they give you 30 years and you 20, you coming home, you might be 50, but you coming home. Oh, so society right. should absolutely care what's going on in the prisons, 
Are they being rehabilitated? Is the opportunity there for those that take it? And for those that don't take it, are they being kept in there? And that's an important, that's the important side of it too. Everybody's supposed to be out. I'm not a let everybody out guy. But the, the opportunity is important due to the fact that who else can help the lost unless somebody that was lost? Because everybody make the decisions we make. So if you ain't made those decisions, you can't even understand. Like Lisa, I can't tell you about Thalbert. I can read about it all day. I can think on it, empathize the philosophy. I you only know about, you know, you gotta be a woman I can only know about that. So it's certain things that the mess ups of society, for those that are in prison, we understand that the average person can't understand. And we're here to help. So Lou, let me let, let me ask you this, because you said something. I've always said that um we have so many kids walking around in adult bodies and you said something years ago that really stuck with me and um you said at some point people stop growing um so my question to you is when 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 a when a 15 year old young man gets incarcerated am i safe or incorrect in saying that he's going to stop growing at that point when he goes, when he's incarcerated? And is there anything behind the bars that's going to keep him growing? Because you have people out here right now that's never been incarcerated, right? Literally, they, they are kids walking around in adult bodies because at some point, somewhere in life, they stop growing. You said that. And that stuck with me for the last several years. So I can imagine a 15-year-old young man that, that is now incarcerated, maybe have, like you said, 20 years, he's gonna come home. So, but he's gonna come home at 50, still with a 15 year old mindset. Can you like, like talk talk to me about that? Like what will happen to him behind the bars? The, it's something called arrested development. So absolutely, when you get incarcerated, when you go into any institution, you stop growing actually. For instance, institutionalization is not just prison. If you meet somebody that's in the military and they went to the military and was 18 and they get out the military and they like 40, they have a certain amount of rest development. Now they might've experienced a lot of stuff that all over the world, but in that incubated in that bubble and that constant system and that constant culture, you're gonna miss a lot of other opportunities that, you, that the average person would have. Just like somebody that went to prison, um, you working at a job. Mr. Flippersmith, listen, my father worked for uh, Ohio Bell and Ameritech for years. And they had like a whole crew, a whole culture. All his people that he dealt with was people he worked with basically or grew up with, you know, family. And you get incubated into these systems. So what happens in prison, because the, the system is so small and it's so tight and it's built for restriction, it restricts the natural growth you would have when dealing with relationships. The very thing that brought you to prison that you were bad at relationships is the very thing that they limit so much. Mm. Now, now there's a reason for this. The sanction is so that you would learn to govern yourself one day. I was talking to a group yesterday and telling them the reason why programming is so stringent in the beginning, you got to be there on time. Uh, they were like in a rehab center. You got to make your bed. You got to get up because you don't know how to govern yourself yet. You suck at making decisions for your own life. And mm-hmm. that's what happened to that 15 year old. The first thing you got to realize when you're in prison, I believe before anything else is that you were not good at life. Now, the reason why I say that is this. 
This reason why you got grown men, 40-something years old, but they're 18. If you think, if you lie to yourself, because all you're doing is lying to yourself, you ain't lying to nobody else. If you lie to yourself and try to glorify your crime and glorify the life that you had prior to you getting locked up, you will never be able to compare. Because I'm not a part, I believe this too. I believe that you must compare, that you can only learn through comparison. When people say, I don't compare to other, you got to. How do I know if I got a good mentor or a bad mentor? How do I know if I'm making progress? That's the reason why they make different levels. That's why a Toyota is different than a BMW. A BMW is different than a Phantom because you got to have stuff to compare. If I'm in, that's why the 40 year old guy acts like he's a team because he had the relationships and the growth that comes with relationships. And I ain't talking about just male, female. I'm talking about period in business and taking a loss uh, in community and commuting, going to different jobs. People get work in a factory, and that's like usually the only skill they know. They like, I know how to drive a tow motor. I've been driving a tow motor for 32 years. And you never challenge yourself in any other area. So this is how you got these guys that's old, but they're young in their mind. Or they never travel. They never do anything. They never leave their neighborhood. Everybody they know mm-hmm. is the same people they grew up with. They believe that because mm-hmm. they went to school with these people, this was their friend. And that's mm-hmm. not a friend. That's not a friend. Just because y'all went to school together. Y'all happen to be in the same school. No different than I happen to be in the same prison with a whole bunch of dudes that committed crime in the same decade I did. They not that don't make you my friend. That just means logistically we're in the same spot. So the growth, I believe, can only come through comparison. Because I have to compare how I was living to how I should be living. Because if I lie to myself and say, oh, this life is okay, it'll change. Why people you struggle to lose weight, you struggle, because it's not that bad. You might not like it, it might be uncomfortable, but until it becomes intolerable, you will not change. But Luke, but Luke let, let me ask you Imagine this. Imagine right now. Mm-hmm. For the dude that was out in the streets, right, getting it, he had the cars, he had the mm-hmm. women, he had the clothes, he was taking care of, taking care of his mama, he was taking care of his girl's mama. Mm-hmm. What? So you're saying he has to compare so he has that life, wise of cash, right? The trips, mm-hmm. the cars. Mm-hmm. What is he comparing to? Because if he if he's comparing to, he doesn't have like he doesn't have anything to compare to, especially if he's been in that world all his life, or and or let's say he's comparing it to Mr. Johnny, who is, you know, his you know, 12th grade principal of ABC High School. So what he sees Mr. Johnny in, Mr. Johnny mm-hmm. in is a, you know, a Honda Accord coming to work every day, have str- like, like how does he compare mm-hmm. that life to that life and come out and come out well, and come out saying, well, wait a that's minute. A, that's a great question because you know what? Outcomes. The value of your life is based on the outcomes you produce. So you, you got cars, which aren't that impressive because everybody got cars. You got cars, you got these old pictures at these old places that used to be something that's tore down now that don't exist no more. You got these old war stories that don't nobody care nothing about because them young dudes don't care nothing about that no more. The game that you was playing ain't the same game that's being played no more. You washed up for real. You're not dealing with reality. The reason why you can compare is this. Mr. Johnny ain't in jail. Mr. Johnny can go home and do what he want to do and eat what he want to eat. So when you in jail and you crying, about they didn't have a baked potato at child and they gave me noodles 
and my bunkies stink and I want to move. That's why they know what to compare to, Lisa. Because okay. your life sucks. Okay. The reality okay. is your life sucks. Okay. And your life wasn't that great be- before because you was front. Because you, 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 you probably was drug addicted, probably was suicidal. When dudes start telling the real about that life, because you always on guard, you never can rest. You can't do nothing with dope money. They have made it, they have perfected the system. You cannot do nothing with dope money because dope money moves in cash. Gotcha. You can't do nothing with it. That's why you got so many cars. You ain't got so many cars because you think they're great. It's the only thing you can go buy. Keep buying a bunch of raggedy and all these and stuff and putting rings of different colors and stuff like a kid because you can't put no equity and no bills and no house in your name because you can't do nothing in cash money. You can't do nothing with it. Without credit, you can't go to that bank. And, you got, and if you don't know how to do that, you listen. The reality of the dope boy, the real live street dude, their number one problem is confidence. You would never believe that. But when you when you strip them naked, when we in there in them shower shoes and them $2 outfits and all the gold gone, all the big fur hats and all the pictures and all the glamour gone, uh, paid in full crap gone, and you in there in that cage and your mama dying, and you've been here for 23 years and you can't figure out how to get out because you can't read. Mm. And you up to them as a man, they don't have no confidence. They don't have no confidence because they know it's all been a front. It's all been a front. Dope sell itself. They can put dope in a vending machine. The game don't change you. You went to jail. You wasn't valuable. Didn't no, they, they, they like they like everybody up in the 90s. They- in the mid-90s in Virginia and elsewhere in the country, people started to think about juvenile justice differently. And, and started to think about it much more how they thought about the adult system. You stop getting shot. Anybody gonna shoot somebody. You wasn't bringing no value and it tears you up inside because you know you wasn't doing nothing. That's why you hold on this old Polaroid picture of this club that don't exist no more. The people don't even know you no more. <laughs> Y'all was in high school. You 42 still talking about a high school. You know what? I was, I, I'm gonna tell you a good, I ain't gonna go into that because I'll be too long. But anyway, that's why Lisa, because your life sucks. When you okay. break it down, when you get past all the peacock, all the faking, them dudes know they life suck. Because it ain't no good life. It's, yeah. a, it's a poor paying job because you're working 24-7. You're never off the clock. You always, yeah. somebody always trying to kill you, rob you, kill your mama, shot your brother about something you did. All that eats you up. You lie to yourself. You have confidence because you have no skills to bring any value to the, to the world. Once you get the ability to bring value to the world, you start gaining confidence. When you really talk to people, they ain't got no confidence. That's why you yeah. need seven women and eight cars. You got no confidence. Right, right. You had, you always had me hands up. You always <laughs> had me hands up. What are you doing nothing? I'm good with this, man. You got the You still the hood bar. I, I see pictures people post on, and I'm like, man, this dude, 40 or 50, so this was so. I'm just looking at the surroundings, the, te- the, the chairs tour. You would right. like the the the, the, the bar and all this, and then you would be fronting when we in the cage talking about, how was out there getting money? What? what, what getting it where? Where's it going? <laughs> <laughs> you want to get shot every night. We have just arrived live on the scene of a murder that happened late last night. And- You've been coming here for, for 18 years. <laughs> So it's that. It's that. I'm not to talk down on the brothers because that's why I do what I do to build up that confidence. Because I've been there before. I've been. I wasn't. Maybe wasn't that hard a case, but I've been. It's a, it's all about a lack of confidence because confidence only comes in the value you can bring. If you can't bring no value, you have no confidence. That's good. 
That's good. Like you take me to uh, I don't even see where do see world still exist. You yeah. take me like so a uh, uh, marine thing or something. I don't know nothing about fish. I'm gonna shut up. I ain't gonna say nothing. I have no confidence in my ability to bring value to this room. So I'm gonna do a lot of listening. Yeah. Right. So Lou, let me ask you this question. Um, you've been out since October last year, right? Yeah, that was the other thing. I've been out a year and five months. I'm oh, oh, working wow. on my second year. Okay. Yeah, I've been out a year and five months. Okay, wow. Okay. It was October of 21. Time's yeah. flying by, man. So tell me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How are you mentally now? Um are you fully reintegrated into this world of society? I remember when you first started driving, when you got out, you were like, man, it's crazy out here. You know what I'm saying? And, you That's know, I'm, I'm sure you saw some things like the cell phone and all that. So are you reintegrated mentally into this society now? What? Well, you know, through experience, through experience, you through the experience, you got a choice to learn. You don't learn through all experiences. You Everybody experiences stuff every day. You have a choice to learn. So I can never really define being fully reintegrated due to the fact of this. I'm on my own timeline. I'm on my own timeline. So what one person might think is the normal thing for somebody that's 44 and what they should be doing. Like it still messes people up. They be like, so-and-so having a birthday party. You want to come to the birthday party? I'm going to send you an invitation. We going to so-and-so. We going out of town. We going to that. I'm like, I ain't going. You ain't going. The parole board let you go. Like, no, I don't do that. Oh no, see, once you get out more, you'll be. I'm like, I don't do that. That's not a choice that I want to make. So mm-hmm. I'm on my own timeline. So I'm reading at my own pace, in my own timeline. And a lot of the social norms that people do, I ain't never gonna do. You know, so it can't really be judged, even though people do want to judge it. That is a pet peeve, that is a huge. Huge pet peeve of mine because everybody has an opinion on how you should be doing what you should be doing with your life. Listen. Listen. <laughs> now, Oprah Warren Buffett, Oprah Warren Buffett, something like that, Robert uh, Johnson, I might take heed. I might shut up and say, maybe I should try that for a week. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know nobody whose life is good enough to tell me what I should be doing with mine. Good. You right. 24 hours. <laughs> and spend it examining how you think I should be moving when you have not done none of the stuff I'm trying to do. Right. And that you ain't done nothing. If you haven't done what I'm trying to do, you. how can you <laughs> tell me how I should repeat the thing? It dry and it's is I'm sorry, I don't want to get off on another tangent. But anyway, <laughs> I'm on my own timeline. So the judgment of reintegration is all comparison. So mm-hmm. if you compare your life to mine. Of course, I ain't doing what you think I want, I should be doing. Vice versa. Vice versa. I will say this though: everybody that I know that is doing whatever they should, like they they reaching their goals, they never tell you how to do it. The only people that tell you how to do it are the people that ain't doing nothing. I've noticed that. Wow. People that ain't doing it. I just whatever they're doing, whether they they scrapping their numbers, they done messed it up, they done blew ten thousand. Damn, I shouldn't have done. That was a bad investment. They gra- yeah. they don't have time to tell you how to do it. They just encourage you. Hey, do it. I'll you figure it out. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. Do it. Yeah. I just said that the other day. Um, do you feel uh, like that 
uh, are you living with any regrets? I put it that way. So once you got out, do you have any regrets of, man, 22 years? Uh, I will say man, this. I, I, and we talk about this, about this. Hey, we talked about this a few times before I got out. The time I had in there to be able to dictate how much I could devote to studying, reading books, and digging and researching. What I regret is that I didn't start producing books. Like I wrote my books down, they're, they're, they're written down, but I didn't write books. And I tell every time I go back to the joint, Anytime I can talk to anybody that's that's in jail or the rehab center that got that time, they don't have to work and all that, start writing books. I don't care if they suck. I don't care if they've written right because for what I do and what I figured out, the books is the money. Mm-hmm. If you want to do public speaking, if you ain't got a book, you don't book, have a draw yeah. because right. you, the book, you got books. And I had all that time and I should have been producing mm-hmm. books. I produced a lot of programs mm-hmm. and a program and a book is different. I do regret that, even though it is what it is and you still on your own time, but that right there, because what I learned, found out about how these things work, the things that I want to do, and how to bring it to the market and, and, and make money off of it, the books, the time, I could have produced so many books because, like we talked about that focus, mm-hmm. not having bills to pay and go to work and here and you know hustle on the side over there and meet with them over there, driving, and, it's totally different. Yep. So I just don't have the time to lock in for a month like I could do in there. Yeah, I could lock in for a month and just decide to mm-hmm. study something. I could have produced so many books versus mm-hmm. programs. But I you know, know. Um, I didn't let know. me say, I didn't know let, me I see, books. I didn't know. let me say this too for a disclaimer for people listening for the first time. You know, if somebody were to say, well, why did he say regret about the crime? Because he has said that and he's talked about that for hours. We got other recordings of that. So I was talking more about what he answered on because, you know, he has a, you know, that's why he's doing what he was doing. That's why he's doing what he's doing now is to um, make amends, if he can, to what had happened. So I don't want anybody who's looking at this later on because, you know, people be looking to try to find something. <laughs> he's already right. done that. He does it all the time. But that was not the question I kind of asked him. So uh, at least you got a question. The context, I think the question is, is how... How I spent my time, not how I got in it, like, like not right. like a life regret, but a regret right. as far as in prison regret. Once right. I got in prison, what's the right. one thing I, that's that is I tell everybody, just write books. If they suck, it don't matter. Just write. Right. If it's super long and can break, just write them. Because yeah. to get that focus to write them to produce them, it can be tough. Yeah, it can be tough. So, so Lou, you it's got out. You got out like around when we went into COVID, right? No, it was after COVID. It was we was coming out of COVID. 2021. It was, we was coming out of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. it was a it was aggressive. Everything about timing. Because I had to learn how to drive again and whatnot. And everybody wasn't coming out yet. It was still some people that was like, oh, they still in. Because I can tell a huge difference between last Christmas season, because I got in October, last November, December, when I got in 21, and this this past November, December, it's going now. Don't nobody believe right. in COVID no more. It's going to the route. You know, I went to the store like the Thursday before Christmas. I was back way back by the peas and the aisle. I was beating people. You know, it was like this stuck in there. So, yeah, yeah, it's going. It's different now. So, so your it was first good, day though, out, it was moving slow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious though. Your first, your very first day out. What did you do? 
<laughs> That's so funny. I, almost I almost didn't get out. I almost didn't make it out. Really? So, so because of the situation, how my paperwork had to be done with the parole board, I could only be released to the person who the parole board had like on my gate pass. The people that I was supposed to be released to know that time worked because we had never been through this before. And no one had ever told me that this is possible, that this might happen. And all I had prepared for, never knew. So when I went to leave, with the, uh, me and another guy, we was both getting out the same day. When I went to the front gate to leave, and all that, he said, well, Fizz, you're right out here. I said, my brother out there, I do. He said, oh, that's not the name on your thing. I said, what you mean ain't the name on my thing? And that's when I found out to be released. So I should have got out like at 10 o'clock in the morning. So they said, if you're not, if you're the people that's supposed to pick you up aren't here by two o'clock, we're gonna call the pro board. So what that means is you're gonna call the pro board and tell them that the people that's supposed to be responsible for me did not show up. So the aisles was pretty good. I would have been had to go back to the cage and not get out. It was a wow. very trying time. It was a I was sitting over there with my little gray go home jogging pants, one side spit on, fit all Miss Sophia pants on. But you know what I had though? I had Think and Grow Rich. And I sat there and I just read Think and Grow Rich. Read, made, I made my phone calls. It said it's going to work it out. Read Think and Grow Rich. Because, dude, see, I was like, I've never seen somebody be this calm. Like, you're taking it like this. I wasn't, though. But I just kept reading Think and Grow Rich. I just kept reading Think and Grow Rich. So I got, I mean, listen, the dude that kept me up, he got through the gate like at 154. By the time they did the per- paperwork and got to me and called me, it was like 157. It was like three minutes to So I found out you know, I was supposed to be. I got a five gap burger because I heard they were so great. They wasn't hitting for nothing. I didn't have burgers in jail better than them. That's nothing. The food on the street, I, we thought, that's what I tell you. you. We think we missing a lot. We're really not. <laughs> it was really not. not. I have not found a lot of great food on the street. I have not. But anyway, so that's what I did. Me and I just, what did I do? Think. I had a whole bunch of stuff to unpack and try to get together and whatnot and organize. And that was like just overwhelming. Just, I don't know. Just did adjusting. you cry? Oh, but did I did you cry. Your first, tears. Night, your first night, though, when you when you got in the bed outside oh, of I the I stayed bar. up all night. Did you? I stayed up all night. I found out. I found, I found, listen, I did in the first probably two weeks, I might have slept three to four hours total. Because I was staying really? up until I passed out. I would just pass, I would just wake up you know, I got on the floor. I was, I was watching YouTube. I was trying to figure out how to work the phone. And it's the other thing I realized. You cannot, Amazon, this is why I know Amazon going to take over the world. You, you cannot work a phone and not go through Amazon. You must pay homage to Amazon. Because I kept trying not to set up an Amazon account. But I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't operate the world without Amazon. So I had to get an Amazon account finally. Just, but for like the first two weeks, I didn't sleep. I was just up, just trying to just be up all and YouTube, YouTube. I've been crazy on YouTube. Just YouTube. Wow. I love YouTube. That was like the one thing I wanted when I got out. That was more than full sex up. YouTube. <laughs> I heard about YouTube. It's the smartest thing I ever heard in my life. So yeah. Wow. It was a lot of YouTube. That's really what I was doing. YouTube all day. Yeah. <laughs> like first of all, I don't think I slept. I might have passed out for a second that second day, but the first day I ain't even sleep. <laughs> what would you advise somebody? about um you know like say if you if you go and you could go back to your first day like you just we talked about getting out um mm-hmm. what would you advise to yourself if you started over it's been a year now mm-hmm. 
it's been a year. So now if if you have been out a year and then like what you just said, and your your new self is coming out now, what would you tell your new self? <laughs> Due to the fact how I did my time in preparation to coming out to affect change in the community and by designing programs, and these programs gonna turn into businesses. I would tell myself, do not activate your phone, do not turn on the TV and watch YouTube. Continue on your exact same grind you had in jail until you figure it out. All that stuff going to be there. All that wow. stuff going to be there. Because the mindset and the focus and the hunger, you got to have a, a certain type of hunger to lock in. I only get that in spurts now. I mean, we talked about that. We yeah, talked about that. It. It's, it's, I only it's, get that in spurts now. It's yeah. a feeling. It's a vibe. It's, it's a, a you know, it's a, it's a, it's a move. Like recently, Snoop just got a, he was fighting for his, uh, for doggy style. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, they was trying to tell him to remaster it, you know, and remaster it and bring it back out. And he said, I, I can't do that because the remaster, you got to go back in the studio and wrap it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that was a, a feeling, a move. I can't never re- redo that. I got to get the original dog. I got to have that. And that's like that. Hunger you got there, I only get it in spurts. I only get it in spurts. I only get it in certain moments. So I would have not connected. I would not. I'm talking about, it might have said for that first one, I shouldn't activate the phone. I shouldn't watch a, a minute of YouTube because yeah. it's all a distraction. Even if it's a positive. Yeah. Remember I told you, you had me crazy. I was looking almost in insurance policies. I'm going to do crypto. I'm chasing yeah. everything. I got all these notes and stuff. I took all that stuff in the I'm like, Lewis, you know the path. And that's why, that's really I, I, why I had to get back to. You know the path. If it ain't this, no. If it ain't this, no. Everything is a no if it ain't this. You know, I ain't trying to figure it out. That's the advantage right. I do got off of people over people that's like 40-something years old, 50, and and I hear the stories like they got technical stuff, they got education, they got background. They don't know their passion, they don't know the identity of where they should be going, and they searching right. for a path. I got the path. I'm going backwards. What they got that path, I got that already. So my thing is getting back in them prisons. That's what I've been beating hard. So that's what that's that is that is a huge. That's a huge thing, I would say. And it's a, if it's a 1B, it was a lady who sent me Bible studies for like 20 years. I went to the hole and she started, she went to church with my mother. And she told me, she was like, she, I mean, when she didn't tell me, she told my mother, we're going to get him saved because I was terrible. I wasn't saved. No one saved. And she sent me these Bible studies every week, every week, consistency. I kept bullcrapping. I got out, I got out in like October. I think she passed away like in December. I oh, never wow. went to see her before she died. Like she held on till I got out. I regret it. Oh, I re- oh, that's wow. what I should have done. I should have went and saw that one. So that that was some bull crap I did. That was yeah. That woman sent me consistently. Every wow. woman sent me Bible stuff. Wow. Yeah. And that's that's I the question that. I was gonna ask you, ask you what regret um or do you have any regrets since you've been out, but you just you just answered that. Yeah, that um, would be the regret. That would be the regret. Yeah. So, 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 other than YouTube and everything else out here in the world being a distraction, what was that your wall? Like, like, what wall did you hit um, when you? Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the whole distraction with YouTube and crypto and the the first the first wall was was because networks and people relationships are everything. When I learned restorative justice, the whole principle is is, is relationships. So, like, even how I know you now. Relationship with Mike led to relationship with Mr. Fleming. Re- Mr. Fleming's relationship led to 
this Lisa Adams Horsley, and then that relationship led to you seeing something and saying, you know what, I'm gonna speak up for this guy, and you wrote a letter to me for the Pro Bowl, you know, which was I, very I was, influential. I was, a, I was a letter. My letter is a letter that got you released. Oh my God, she's still right on. Wait, 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 wait. There you go. I'm gonna hit you with your thing. I'm gonna hit you with your thing. For a year and a half, it was my letter when when Tony right called me. I will say this. The man, they most definitely mentioned it. They most definitely mentioned it. It was most definitely influential. Oh, my God. So, so the networking and the relationships were, were huge. So if there was a wall, it was this. Because I look at prison like a, like a coffin. You're in a coffin. You're buried alive. And it's up to you to dig yourself out. So you got to scream and scratch. That's why, I, that's why I ask dudes that's in jail. If you was in a coffin buried alive, when would you stop fighting? Oh, when would you stop fighting? When would you have time to take a rest? When would you have a time to go worry about what LeBron scored last night or if he coming back off his injury? When would you have time for that? If you buried alive, how hard would you fight? So my point is this. As I fight out the coffin and get to the ground level, that's the release. I'm released now. I'm out. Dust coming off, I'm out. All the relationships that I built in digging out, those uh, the majority of those relationships were to get me out the coffin. I've still had to build another level, another layers of relationships to to be activated in the world. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the plans I had based on people I had met while I was in prison, it didn't come through. My employment, I had like five options. One, two, three, four, five, dead. Nothing came through. Nothing came through. I was making nine bucks an hour cleaning crap off of toilets. Nothing is there a relationship that you still have with somebody back in back in prison? Um, I mean, I do, but I can't really connect with them right now. I because can't connect because I'm on paper. Yeah, I, I'm on paper, so I can't. So I know they're there. I still got love for them. You know, as as I work myself and get myself reactivated back in society, I'll be able to reach back in. But. Yeah. Really, you got they can they disconnect you from that, and I get it though I understand it because of what we was just saying about. Wait, 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 speak on that. Tell me why you feel you feel like they disconnect you from that, and you get why they do that. Why I get it. Okay, when you when you're on parole, they don't want you really having a lot of communication and activity with other guys with guys that are, that are in prison. Because think about this: I've been in prison for tw- I was in prison for twenty three years and one month, so. My whole filter and perspective, the majority of how I see things is through prison. So if you allow me to talk to all my buddies, if I could talk to the three guys I was talking to all the time, every day, what would we talk about? Because all three of them in the K, in, in the coffin still. But couldn't so you now would I, mentor and coach them though, Lou? Couldn't you now what, mentor and coach them? What is the thing? I would have to coach them at a prison level. Let me tell you, let me, let me show you why I get it. It took until I got out of October. I want to say maybe the summer of 22, when I realized, even when I was speaking, and t- I was still always using a jail analogy. What happened this one time at the child hall? What happened this one time in the basketball league? What happened, my whole reference was prison. And I became conscious of it. So then I said, no, I got to break that. So my analogy got to be real life and now it got to be things that's going on here. And it's a reason for that because everything can, even though I experienced it there, I learned the lesson there. I got to break free from everything. My, like my reference is that I was born in prison or something. 
with a potato chip bag on my head or something. Like I was born in prison. So you have to um, untangle yourself from the prison mentality because the prison mentality ain't all negative stuff. For Everything sure. can't be filtered through. I remember when I first, listen, when I first time I, was, I went to the doctor's office and stuff like that, I was still asking permission to go to the bathroom. Like I come in like, oh, can I use the bathroom? They look at me like, yeah. I'm like, where is it? Like I said, so I can go back there? Because in prison, you got to ask permission for everything. Mm-hmm. So that took like a few months for me to recognize that and say, why do I do that? Hey. Yes. Can I get some salt? I'll bring you some on my next round. And I need some toilet paper too. Okay. And a toothbrush. Now you might have to get all that when you come out. I went to the, the one doctor. I asked, I bring my phone back there. Because, like, in prison, if you got like a tablet, you they don't let you bring your tablet. So, the tablet is like the phone. I can't bring my tablet in the back. So, it was just a lot of stuff that you don't know because you can yeah. practice all you want. I was prepared. Yeah. It was a lot of mental toughness. The acceptance, the acceptance of adversity is what prepared me for whatever adversity would come. But the details of what the adversity would be or what the challenges would be, you never know. You never know. That's why can't nobody tell you what you should be doing with your life. Because they don't know. You don't know. They don't know. How can they know? What's going to be next? But I was ready for adversity. So I was able to always stop, go go a certain distance. I'm like, wait a minute. This ain't making sense because you ain't getting the outcomes you want. Mm -hmm. See, life is measured by your outcomes. So I had to go and compare. What are you doing? Problems come three ways. Through lies, rebellion, and competition. Either you believe something that's not true, that's your problem. You're either rebellious against the truth that you know to be true, or you're being competitive, because only collaboration works. Competition really is not real. Only collaboration works. Mm-hmm. So these are any problem you got, anytime you're struggling with anything, filter to, through them three things. Stop, ask yourself, am I believing something that's not true? Technology, this phone. Listen, I have been, this laptop I'm on right now, I just sat nights staying up trying to get this laptop to work and do what people tell me it can do with tears in my eyes, wanting to throw it against the wall, right? Brother bought me a laptop, right? I didn't know it had to be set up and you had to put the apps on there. So I'm getting advice from people. Hey, just do this and do that. I don't have the apps on there. So it's impossible for the thing to work. But I didn't know that. Who tells you that? I have no idea. I didn't know. It was impossible for me to work. And every time, every time I had an issue, this is the killer. Oh, you just ain't doing it right doing it. And then once they look at it and find out, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Like I ain't trying. So that was, and what I had to do was I had to stop. I had a preconceived notion about how technology would work. Because I wasn't scared of technology. I was like, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna click some stuff, I'm gonna have this stuff roll. Remember this stuff? I was kind of, I'm, yeah. like, I'm gonna do this. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> All this is is your Rolodex in your hand, the old school Rolodex. The yellow page, a calendar, all the encyclopedias of the world, some music, and some books. That's all this mm-hmm. is. And pictures and a camera. The only thing that actually they have all of, like a, if you, you go to register for something, that is upon human error. Wasn't as good as the people that make Amazon apps. The app ain't going to work that good. So it's still based upon humans. They haven't perfected anything. You understand what I'm saying? You ever had a bad app or a good app? Like, I can't log in. It's still whoever programmed it in there. So when I filtered it through the three, stop, examine, compare, I reset, new idea. 
And one of my mentors, I'm down there having a problem with the laptop, logging into this app. And I saw him, it took him like an hour. It took him like an hour to figure it out, but he was calm. And it clicked in my mind, Lewis, this man been out here around like 70 years old. He didn't design he didn't design systems and all this. If it took him an hour of patience to figure it out, why in the world do you think it's, it's gonna click for you? You believe in the lie, yeah. you lie to yourself. So yeah. when I stop lying to myself and I'm more patient, doing a lot better with technology. Still not great, a lot better though. The frustration ain't there no more because I'm looking at it through an honest lens. And that's how we gotta look at life. That's how you grow, that's how you learn. You gotta be able to stop, you have to have a system to be able to check yourself. That's why I went to jail. I didn't have a system to check myself because my first response was throw this laptop through the wall. Just, just throw it <laughs> smash against the wall. That's the jail mentality. But the new Lewis is- Hey, Lou, <laughs> look, man, I can promise you this. You probably got more skills than me and I've been out the whole time. I can at least tell you that because <laughs> it still drives me crazy. I just shut it down. I just say, man, forget this thing. I'm going to move on. But that- Kind of rolls into the question I want to ask you: the reentry program that the the prisons have, does that help? Did it help you at all? Did they have anything that dealt with what you was going to deal with? So what they've broken down is they've broken crime down into like seven to eight areas, depending upon so like education. So they're going to ask you questions about your past, comparing what was your education level, what kind of student were you, your family, what kind of family ties did you have, what kind of family. Your, your social and emotional. Do you have mental health issues? Have you ever been on that? So when you start breaking it down, your finances, where were you working? Were you employed? When you start breaking down your past by these categories, you start getting a risk assessment. So what you see is you see where you need to make improvements at. And then that's how they come up with a case plan to lead you through the reentry process. What programs? You might not need every program that they offer. You know, if you was, mm-hmm. if you, this, this guy in there was doctors and lawyers. I know a dude that bought a building because he invested in Facebook, man. Why he was in prison? He, he invested in Facebook. <laughs> so you got guys that, that money wasn't a problem. They don't need money, they don't need education, financial literacy. They might need social emotional. You got another guy, he might get high. He needs substance abuse issue, you know. So the programming, because it's fitted towards your personal needs, because reentry is so different for everybody. Because you got one guy might come out into a great family situation. He get along with his mama. His grandmama, his daughter, his sister, they all professional, everything great. And a lot of kids go, you know, they go home and come back multiple times. And I personally talked to a few that have, and some of them say because they have three meals a day, they have clothes on their back, they don't have to worry about, you know, struggling, trying to figure out when the next meal is going to be or, you know, where they're going to lay their, he- their heads. And, you know, because, I mean, how do you help? A 16-year-old that all their life, all they know is violence. You, you can't just swoop in and say, stop doing what you're doing. It's not going to work. I'm lucky to have a family that I have. Because I know if I lose this house, God forbid that it happens. If I lose this house, I can go to my mom's house or my aunt's house or my grandma's house. And a lot of kids didn't have that. And it was shocking. You got another. If he go over his grandma and mama's house, he might OD that night and die. Because they all get nasty and drinking. They going to have him drinking. So... Without the reentry programming, I never would have been able to come to the knowledge of myself. The cognitive behavior, especially when you're talking about controlling your emotions and controlling your anger, because I still get mad. I get just as mad, if not even madder, than the day that I committed my crime and took that man's life senselessly. So 
to not be able to repeat that behavior and still feel them same emotions only come through the program. And that's why they make you take it over and over again. Like Zig Ziglar said, you got to hear the message 17 times to get it. So all the programs build upon each other over and over. And I couple that with reading, a lot of reading, a lot of mentoring, talking to you, all that. Like that would be therapy when I would talk to you and get outside of that and be able to share with you. So without that, it would have been impossible. So reentry is the key. Reentry is the key. You know, you know, speaking of those talks, man, um, I had Valerie send me some clips from the recordings that we did because we we played them all on our uh, morning calls and everybody was just glued to it, man. And I listened to it again last night, some of the clips. Man, the way that you presented and talked in, like you said, it was therapy for you. And you were really getting it out, man. I didn't want to touch none of that. I want to go back and actually produce those clips on the podcast and maybe have Valerie add some kind of pictures to it to make sure people get it, man. But the things that you were saying, like Lisa got it because she heard one of them. Uh, she probably heard all of them because we played them all on the, on the calls and stuff. And that, that, that was like you said, like what Snoop saying, I can't. I can't even go back. Yeah, he was wrong. He was right. You would you would tell me stuff because I was digging up stuff. I was like, well, tell me this and tell me how that because you know you went through the whole process. And man, I mean, yeah, you you gotta you you gotta listen to some of those again too because those are powerful. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, it was it was so raw. And what makes it so special from a um, listener, me as the listener. I would listen to you and, you know, of course, that time I didn't know what you looked like, but I would mm-hmm. listen to you and and literally picture in my mind you at that phone, in jail, on the wall, just spitting game, just spitting, mm-hmm. spitting, spitting, because mm-hmm. you were so raw. It was raw. Mm-hmm. So, when, so when a person is, not, and I'm willing to bet you, Mr. Fleming, if you ask the average person, that was listening to those calls too. I bet in their mind they vision him, like I vision him, mm-hmm. in jail in some greens, um, <laughs> the green the, the, the army green khaki with the button up <laughs> shirt with the white t shirt underneath. Like I I envision with some chucks yeah. on, at their phone just spitting, spitting, spitting. Hey, 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 and I asked him that. I said, man. I know people walking by standing over hearing you because you know he was you know he was giving game. I'm like, you like man, some of them fools don't even think about you. you know, I forgot how you said it the way you answered. Yeah. Like they just they in another world, man. But yeah, right. he was yeah, that's how it was, man. We talked and it was so crazy. We talked probably for six months before we started recording. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we had been talking for a long time. I was like, man, I got to get you on recording. I want to get you from the start. To the finish, you know, and you went through every system that you went through and all that, man, which is powerful. Um, and before know. one second, I want to give you a big up because when you're talking about those records, those records are priceless. Mm-hmm. You gave me an opportunity to hear myself. So you mm-hmm. can go through a lot of stuff, but until you can hear it come out of you, you don't know what it is. You can't right. you can't reflect because you can't go back and rewind it. You're gonna miss a lot of stuff. So and you prepared me to be able to express myself to the pro board in a way that would I never would have been able to do without that. And I thank you for that because mm-hmm. that was your idea. That was purely your, purely your idea. I, never yeah, I, I, doing that. Yeah. I wanted the I world think, I don't think nobody else in the state was able to um, get a pro board recorded recordings of right. their growth and change. 
Right, right. The person right. in the state of Ohio to be that, that, that was on the news. Was that even legal? Was that legal? Yeah, it was legal. I mean, I could send them. Yeah. And then they were like, that was possible. You made that possible. And to, to your point, when you say I got to go back and listen to them, when you talk about them walls, Lisa, when I get them, when I get a wall, or when I'm, I'm frustrated because I'm like, this ain't working, how it's supposed to be working. What's wrong? I go back and listen to him, and I always think about the uh, verse with David. We talk about he encouraged himself in the Lord. And when I can hear my own voice, and I'm like, that's me. That's you still. That's still mm-hmm. there. Don't lose you was, you was, like, don't, you was, like I said, it was wrong. I can't recapture that. Like, I would never yeah. answer them questions how I would answer them then. Right. No, I, no, no, no. I would never I would no. never be able to duplicate that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. the I, mean, I appreciate that. It's a difference right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're home. But I can even hear the difference in now and then because mm-hmm. because it was raw. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to him, would you think back like, oh, I, re- I remember that day when I was talking about that because mm-hmm. this this has just happened in the in the dining hall. Or I, oh, I remember mm-hmm. why I said that this day because I had just seen old buddy do, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like those, like, like Mr. Fleming, well, you like, know, yeah. big ups on that. That was genius that you even thought to do that. Right. Another like, example. Personal diary almost. Right. Another example of that is we can go back to hip hop again. I just saw an old video, not an old, about two year old video of Jay Z, and they was interviewing him, and they said, "Why do you think that your uh, your drive is still there, and how you continue to win uh, with music at your age?" And a lot of people can't. He said, "Well, I think what it is is that." As I moved on in life, I talked about those things, not back the other stuff, because I couldn't mm-hmm. talk about it. Like he said, you see people trying to do that. Like 50 Cent said, he would have to go back in his grandmother's basement to even try to get that feel. But even then, you're not going to get it. He said, so what they're getting from me is what I'm doing now, the feeling mm-hmm. that I have now. And that's so true and so real. And a lot of guys not doing that because they think that you got to be doing the other stuff. So you are changing. You don't change who you are, the core of who you are, the things you believe, the things you love, and the things you die for, and your principles. You don't change that, but you're going to change who you are. You're going to change, you know, you can't do the same things that you, you can't hang on the corner. Some people may not be comfortable with that. And, you know, right now, your truth and your realness will be from the last year you've been out, not what you were doing then. You know what I'm saying? But people try to go back and do that. You can't. Because you ain't that person. That's why I let rappers, like I let artists off the hook. I keep telling people like, like, oh, I said Jay Z can't produce a good album right now. It ain't any no. It ain't he ain't it it ain't life or death no more. Like stupid, I can't duplicate. You can't duplicate that feeling. Like uh, Dre from um, uh, Outkast said, he said the first thing with hip hop, you got to be hip. Even just the origin of the word um, hip hop. First, you have to be hip. And the older you get, you get further away from the hipness. I mean, you can know what's going on, but you know, there's always new slang, there's always new rhythms, new patterns, all that kind of stuff. And once you start trying to imitate that thing, I mean, people see it, man. You know, and it, it becomes embarrassing at a, at a point. And um, and this is just my personal opinion. Like I, you know, just feel like I, you know, wouldn't have much to offer, you know, to the game after a certain point. And you know, we were in a different time. Like now you have artists that drop three, four mixtapes a year and an album. Uh, but it was, you gotta think, we were like two years between every album. So we were 
damn like different people between every album. We were kids when they first met us, so by the time y'all saw us at um, you know Stankoni and all those albums, we were just growing into being an adult, really knowing what we were about or trying to figure out what we were about. So you were just seeing growth and the music went with it. And I think at a certain point, um, you know, unless you want to hear about, you know, parenting and how it is with my 16 year old and, you know, not wanting to get going to get prostate exams, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, at, at a certain point, what am I talking about? I'm not on the street at that level, you know? Wait a minute, hold on. Are you here Now check this out. Now Lisa, I don't, now Mr. Fleming, we are not about to go into sports. Because <laughs> usually we go, now Lisa, I don't know how how big or how you are on sports, okay? So all I, I challenge you this, exactly what we're talking about. Go watch early Jordan, North Carolina, 86, 87, to we first won the Bulls, when they said he was a, 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 a gun, he just shoot too much. He just a shoot. If Jordan wasn't the greatest then, he was just a shooter. He'll never win like that. Now Jordan, oh my! Well, they're doing just like the Lakers. Of course, you score a basket, you make a great play by Wilkins, but they're admiring the play and they forgot to get back on defense. And the Bulls come back with a Michael Jordan special. Mike Brown, a one-bounce dribble, left, eight to shoot. Michael Jordan in around Kareem, turn around. Oh, oh, with both oh, hands. Oh, Michael Jordan with 15. Oh, it was as if he said to Kareem, I dare you to block oh. this one. Go watch that Jordan. Or the original Jordan with the big thick socks rolled down, who started wearing the baggy pants before he started winning. Then go watch Jordan after he came back off the hiatus. It's different. Mm. Still great, oh, but it's different. It yeah. ain't like it was. It was pure then. He didn't know nothing. He didn't learn. He didn't learn again. He just knew I got to go out here and do what I got to do. It's different. Mm -hmm. Like when you go watch yeah. early AI, when you watch AI when he was banging against everybody, a little a giant must be, It's different. Mm -hmm. it's di you can't capture that though because you ain't that person no more. Those right. are special times, and this is the beauty behind books, media to be be able to capture film. And I'm big on that now because, like where I'm at now, Lord willing, I'll look back three years from now, a year from now, I won't be here. I won't be what I'm thinking now won't be. Yeah, this right. Won't be, I'll, I'll, it'll right. be different because you need to learn. And that's the learn. Right. That's what stops happening, Lisa. Right. This is the problem. You ever met somebody? I ain't gonna name no names. Anyway, you ever like you met somebody you've seen in a while? And they and you be like, that is so sad. And you be sitting there listening to them, and you like, this is not right. Like, yeah. now I'm not giving you my number. I'm gonna take your number because I'm never gonna call you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need for you to have my number. I don't want to lie to you. Your fake number. We're not talking. We're not connected. You're not here. Because you the same person. You the yeah. same person. Yeah. 30 years later. You talking about stuff we did in eighth grade, man. Yeah. yeah. You talking about eighth grade stuff. Yeah. You talking about dumb stuff, man. So yeah. it's it's the maturity and the growth. If you growing, you don't want to be. Why would you want to be? I always think about people like, oh, I wish I was young. No, I, I don't want to go back and be 30. It ain't just because I was in jail. Because my mind, where my mind was at, I wouldn't want that mind. I value yeah. this now. Yeah. This thing been militarized. This, this thing is it's so much potential and value and ability in this now. Why would I want to go back and start over? Right. How painful that would be? 
That would be horrible. Do you, that would be a how do you how do you contribute uh the books to where you are now? I know we talked about that you would turn the channel looking for a sports station and you ran across uh Dave Ramsey. Guy? Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Ramsey opened up a gateway. Dave Ramsey right. opened up a gateway. Right. So tell us how you kind of got into that. Dave Ramsey wasn't the the guy that opened the books for you, but he kind of told you how to read the books and what you should do. But what made you get into the reading? And I know when you got in, you told me you kind of fought the system for six, seven years before you even started reading or something like that. Was right. was I'm not accurate with that? Yeah, that's about right. I mean, I was reading, but I wasn't reading for change. I wasn't reading specifically. Mm-hmm. I was reading whatever was given to me. So I value reading, but I didn't know how to use it in my life. So, oh, quick note about influence. I still don't have a credit card. Okay. The influence yeah. of Dave Ramsey. I still don't have a Dave credit Ramsey. card. Dave Ramsey, yeah. And I still don't have a credit to this day. I don't have I'm going to have to get one business credit. I still yeah. personally credit. I don't have a credit card. If I can't yeah. put on, okay, I don't have a credit card right. this day. But that's just a side note. The influence. Because okay. the first person I heard tell me about money, give me game on money, convince me that you do not need credit to make it. You know, that you don't need to go into debt to make it. Now, mm-hmm. I know that debt can be leveraged. There is a way to use right. debt. You got good debt. Now, yeah. if I would have uh, listened to Kiyosaki first, I'd probably be all, have all types of stuff right. going on. Right. Right. But right. influence, right. influence is everything. And this mm-hmm. and the reason why I bring that up is for this reason. Books are your first mentors. When you suck at life, whatever stage you at, in jail, out of jail, you in debt, you got 18 kids, about 16 daddies, what, whatever situation you're in that you want to change, you lose weight, gain weight, whatever it is. The books are going to be consistent. See, human beings, you don't even know enough yet to make a decision on a mentor. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't know about change. You want to, well, I'm going to go sit on the song. So I'm say, you don't even know enough because you still suck at decision making. Mm-hmm. Get the books, get the recordings, and let them give you game and speak life into you. Start reading Proverbs. Get that get that life into you. That's where it started, reading Proverbs, get, mm-hmm. getting life into you, getting being able to understand so you can compare. So you can compare. Start getting that word in you. Start getting word in you. And that word is the word of faith. All faith. God faith. Faith in your ability to be able to control your emotions. I tell you about saturate yourself in child psychology. That's why I talk to doctors that got child psychology backgrounds. I can't say none of big words, but my concepts is on point. I understand the concept. So you're talking about so-and-so, so-and-so. That's right, that long word. That's what I'm talking about. That concept right there. Saturate yourself in that because that's going to be consistent. You can control that. Because see, the cop out is, oh, I don't know nobody rich. I don't know nobody doing that. What's all these books for? Yeah, right there. They wrote a phone. They wrote a phone. You know everybody rich. I tell you, if you don't read no book, my person ain't least worth multi million. Right. You know what's gonna start happening? Your mindset gonna change. You are gonna start mm-hmm. seeing the world different. I told a class yesterday. I said I had a chance to talk to three people that's real live millionaires, self made, not like fake entertainer millionaires. Mm-hmm. Signing out from a real live strap bootstrap millionaire. Mm-hmm. They all told me the same thing. And then every book I done read, everybody I listened to, because I don't listen to old money now, too. That's not that. Mm-hmm. God bless all my new millionaires. 2.7 million mm-hmm. in the last six months came from out your mama's basement. I love y'all. I have decided for my life, you ain't been through enough seasons to coach me or mentor me. Mm-hmm. If it ain't old money, you ain't been doing it like since like at least the 90s or something. I don't mm-hmm. even listen to your stuff no more. So I had right. to make decisions. I got to feel my way out. They all said the same thing. I told them this. I was talking about recovery. If you don't pay yourself first, you'll never be wealthy. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I said, I don't care if you're working at Wendy's. That first check is $385. Put you $5 right here in the can. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Every week, put you five dollars in the can. Put you five dollars in the can. Even if you get the next, if you you build up, you get another job, and that checks seven eighty a week, and you only put the five, and about the amount. Pay right. yourself first, then look at your bills. Then if you do not do that, you cannot be what. And I get it because mm-hmm. it's a habit mindset that the job of your your labor is to bring in wealth for yourself. Right. If you do not do, because you miss my oh, this is my power bills. I ain't, I'm gonna do ten next. It don't work like that. If you don't pay yourself work first, your money ain't gonna be right. When I started mm-hmm. doing that, my money changed. When I started doing that, my money changed. It ain't gotta be right. a big thing. Pay yourself first. Now, what does that go into? That goes into everything. You can't say the world if you ain't right. So if you struggling with your emotions, you struggling with your weight and all that, you can't lose 10 pounds then talking about, oh, you're going to tell somebody else how to lose 20? You ain't mm-hmm. been doing enough yet. Right, right, right. You've been so right. sober. Now you're talking about, I'm going to help you with the first step. Dude, you ain't been through all the seasons. You don't know what the winter feel like sober. You ain't ready. See, mm-hmm. time, this why, that's why I told you reintegration or whatever, whatever person think about your life, you're on your own timeline. You can't be late for your own destiny. If it's really your destiny and it's yours, it's coming. It's coming. As long as you stay focused on it. And even when you mm. unfaithful, God gonna be faithful. As long as you stay focused, it's your season. You know how much stuff that happened to me in my life that people that said, oh, you should have did it eight months ago, a year ago, you should have did, did that. And then it happened without me chasing it. It happened mm. without me chasing it because it was time. I hadn't become, I didn't know enough. Like, now I'm getting a chance to get an opportunity to go back into the prisons and talk to guys and be able to teach my builders. I couldn't do that fresh out the gate. I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I knew now. And I'm going to grow and continue, but I wasn't ready then. So mm-hmm. if there was an opportunity, it wouldn't have been the same thing because I wouldn't have had no value to bring because, hey, I still ain't got a social security card. So what can I tell you about what it's like out here? So I, I remember your your program that you were doing uh, where you was training because I we were trying to go over that while we was recording, but we was going into so much stuff. We never did get a chance to do that. Two questions. Have you changed any of that since you've been out, like the, the training that you do now, maybe added some or took something away? OK, that's the first question. The second question, though. OK, second question, I want you to name your top five books. I'm talking about to people who, who just not, not somebody who just starting to read. Okay. And mm-hmm. they need to read some stuff. Give me mm-hmm. your top five, but go back to the, the first question is, did you change some of that training? Absolutely. Complete revamp because I've never been this person before in this time. And that's what life is about time. You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. You have to live in the time. So I've never been 44 years old free, sober, with ambition, with purpose, with networks, with connections, with a comprehension and understanding of my ability to accomplish and confidence. I've never been this person. I've never been this person that's attempted to attempted to do something from the ground floor, accomplished it, failed at it, accomplished it, and failed at it. I've never been a person that took a man's life, that went to the hole, caught outside cases. That it, so all these experiences lead to the next thing. So now when you're talking about a year and five months out of prison, and now you go back in prison, I can see it differently now. I'm no longer in the coffin trying to dig myself up. I see now how the foundation is all good stuff, all great stuff. But I see what's needed, what was missing, because it was other sides that was missing to make it fit out here, 
to make it mm. real out here. The other thing is through maturity and growth, you become more compassionate towards those. I was talking to talking to a cat that we on the same path. He 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 did a long time in prison and he out here giving back to the community. We're trying to figure out how you know get funding, how to do these programs, how to provide services. And I told him something. I said, for me, the reason why I knew it was always when I was in prison, I knew the, the goal was to get back in. Like Harriet, I'm going back in to get y'all out. And I said, when I go in there, now this is something I do feel. When I start talking to guys, it's so much love, I be holding back tears. And at the same time, I hate the motherfuckers. Wow. Because what I hate is I see all the bull crap. Everything that was in me that was bull crap, that was holding me back, that the, the chains on my mind, I see that I hate it. And that's why I come back in because I'm going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. So it's so much love. It's a it's really emotional when I go in there for a different reason. Not like I think I'm going to get stuck in there or nothing like that. But when I'm talking to them dudes, I'm seeing all the bull crap, all the game, all the lies you're telling yourself, all the, the, the uh, you try to pass the buck. I don't know nobody. They gave me two years. My mama died. So what? So what? Mm-hmm. So what? Because that's that's the game. You don't care about your mama for real. You don't care nothing about your kids. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have done this. Wow. Quick, I'm going to give you the five books, and then we're going to okay. talk about Batman. You know I love Batman, because okay. Batman my guy. Because right. I talked to you about Batman, but I don't think I ever put this on the recordings. Okay. Batman showed me how to get out of prison. The one with uh, Bane. Not the last one. It was too dark. The one before I so anyway, five books. Read Proverbs. Thirty Proverbs. Read Proverbs. I think okay. thirty Proverbs. Right. Proverbs. Okay. Read Proverbs like today. Then what third or the second? Read Proverbs. Part. Read Proverbs every day, over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Proverbs tells you what it's there for. Right. It's there to give you insight, to give you knowledge, to give you wisdom, to make you game type. There is no greater game than Proverbs. Yep. If you just master Proverbs, nobody will ever be able to run a game on you. That right. right there. You will never be questioning what's the right move. Guaranteed. Your chess game will go, chess game of life mm-hmm. will go through the roof just on Proverbs. Because every great self-help book, every book that's ever been anything, comes from Proverbs. once you master Proverbs, you realize they yep. can't, they got it from Proverbs. Yep. Yep. All truth comes from Proverbs. Yep. Proverbs, number one. James Allen. Okay. James, touched by the hand. Remember we talk about books touched by the hand of God? James Allen. These are books you can read over and over again. It's a new book I found called You Squared. I like that book. It's almost like a modern, a modern day James Allen. Like for like if you can't take James Allen voice to old school, the old these dials and all that, You Squared is good. And it's because it's short, yep. you can read that book in a week, you can read it a month over and over again. And it's like the same concept of James Allen. It's dealing with identity and confidence and, and breaking down those false barriers you got in your mind. Those three uh See, I wouldn't say think and grow rich okay. for a beginner. You said it's for a beginner. Right. Think and grow rich is really an intellectual, in-depth concept. You got to build up your faith to be able to receive think and grow rich. Because yeah, think and grow rich might be too heavy for a beginner. Right. Because you ain't been there yet. Talking about transmutation of thoughts and all that. So it's a great book, though. I'm going to say, dang, that's tough. Five. So what's five? Five, five, five. Hmm. Five. What about uh hey Lou? Can I can I suggest one? Go ahead. Who moved my cheese? <laughs> you know, I, I got that book and I ain't read it yet. It's on the shelf, right? Wow. I ain't read it. And I the reason why the reason why I want you to read it is because of where you came from and where you mm-hmm. are now. Cheese been moved since you okay. Been like- <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. I got that book. I still yeah. got that book. Yeah. 
That cheese been moved. That cheese moved. And yeah. and you gonna you gonna run into a lot of scurries and 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 you read that book. Yeah. And hey, you'll, David you'll, and Goliath by Michael Gladwell. Read that. Okay. Okay. David and Goliath. David and Goliath by Michael Gladwell. Because Michael Gladwell so deep though, man. You know he's real deep. Yeah. You know. And that's why I didn't go with the other David and Goliath. I say David and okay. Goliath because the whole concept is all about the advantage and being a little man, the advantage of being the underdog, the advantage of being small. Because when you start something bigger than you that you've never done before, you don't have any confidence. So the mm -hmm. first thing you want to do is get yourself off the hot seat by having excuses. And what David and Goliath will do is through different stories, you'll be able to find something there to relate to because all different types of perspectives of the David and Goliath syndrome, the little man having the advantage actually. Because it ain't okay. just about this great mythical faith, I'm going to just dream it into existence. He breaks down technically why being small, why being lesser was an advantage. He talked about mm -hmm. like with the Gore-Tex factories and how they, it's like the rule of 50. So once you get the parking lot before they build a new one, they do better being small so you can make quick decisions. But, and it just, it builds upon this idea that by you being small, by you not having all these great uh, attributes and gifts, it's an advantage. So it could build the faith that you could continue. You said a beginner. That's what I'm thinking about a beginner. Yeah, yeah. For a beginner. For a beginner, I would say that. Mm. Five, 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 five. Oh, I'm tripping. Mm -hmm. My boy, Stuart J. Ablon. Stuart J. Ablon. He's a doctor. Who is that? What's he's, a, he's a doctor out of California. He got a book called Changeable. Changeable. He got a book. Changeable. Okay. He got a book called Changeable. Now, this dude, him and another doctor used to go into like psych wars, the most violent psych wars. And apply this theory of skill, not will. So the ideology is this. The idea is this. Kids that misbehave, people that act out and do violent behaviors, they don't do those behaviors because they want to. It's not because that's their will. They want to behave. They want to be, they don't have the skill. And it talks about building the skill. And what he harps on is something called executive functioning skill, which probably 90% of the population has never heard of but you use it every day. That's how you get the victories. You have excellent executive functioning skills. Frustra frustration tolerance. The laptop's acting up. You break the laptop. Versus, okay, I'm not going to break the laptop because I break the laptop, but I got to buy another laptop. Clearly, the laptop is supposed to do this function. It's something I'm doing wrong or it's a malfunctioning laptop. Let me problem solve and figure it out. Problem solving. Critical thinking. Being able to decompose problems. Be like me. I have ADHD, I've never been down, so I'm not going to call it that. It is hard for me. It's why I talk so fast, I get so excited. It is hard for me to sit there and listen to somebody for like an hour just talk. It is so hard for me to listen to somebody talk for like an hour. I got to be fishing, I got to be having to do stuff, I got to leave. One of the reasons I struggle in school. Because I don't. I can't lock in like that. I can't wow. learn like that. That's not how I learn. I didn't do good in group projects. Why? If I got a group project, I'm gonna start looking at the book from the back. Look at it from the back, and then I'm gonna, I might go to three other sources. It might not seem like I ain't studying because the way I've always learned is learning it, the complete concept of it. I was just talking about the other day. I was taking some college classes in, um, when I was in Grafton. We had a business math class. This is the worst teaching on earth because I was in a, in a Zoom and this is how they was doing it. I hate when people, you the teacher. You the teacher. Now, Lisa, you understand this. You're a professional. You are trained to do this. So if you're trained to do this, do your job. Don't ask everybody in the class what they think. 
and had people yelling out, dude, because it's these, it was these long math problems with all this stuff you need to calculate. And he would start. And people in the class would just be yelling stuff out. So we'd be like five rows in. And then he'd say, wait a minute, it's impossible to be this number. We've got a negative number. It can't come out a negative number. So he erasing the whole board. But we just sat there for the last 12 minutes writing this down, thinking this is the way. Mm-hmm. I told dudes, I said, listen, I'm signing in and I'm not coming to class. <laughs> I got an A. The two dudes that was, the one dude, I ain't going to say it, was two, three doors down me, he failed. I said, he's teaching you wrong first. Who learns like that? Right. He's not teaching us. He's just got people right. yelling. And then by the time we get around, we might only have done one equation and you still ain't through. I went to like two classes and I was done. I was done. I was I was done. Because I can't learn like that. I hate right. that. If you're a teacher, you're the expert. Teach. Give me the game. Teach. Don't ask. I don't want to hear nothing from the class. I'm here to hear you. And I, it was terrible. I can't do that. I can't be in sentences like that. It drives me crazy. I hate when you get on the Zoom and I put eight in the chat, eight in the chat, screaming. I, I'm gone. I'm clicking off. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. For me, I'm done. I don't need eight in the chat. I'm done. I'm done. I can't. You funny, man. So they say eight in the chat from you, I'll be like, boom, blow them up. You missed. Boom. You blow them up. not never. I'm not getting in the chat. You might be great. I can't take eight in the chat. I'm here to talk. Here to talk. So that's why people like, uh, what's my dude? Uh, Dan Kennedy, I've been on Dan Kennedy tough. Uh, I listen to Kiyosaki, um, Dave Ramsey. I like Myron Golden. Like, right. just give me the game. Just, you know, we were talking about uh, Earl Nightingale. I like yeah. that. See, for me, yeah. that's what I need. I right. can lock in on that, part, but all yeah. for you everywhere, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> can't give me the eight in the chat. Hey, let's. <laughs> all right, Lou, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to do this one last question for you. And, that's uh, him. That's him, Lou. It, it's it's always him. What? Y'all, what you know what? Y'all have been very well behaved. I really appreciate y'all have been excellent. Yeah, this I should be this should be so y'all have been very well behaved. <laughs> he, he already he already told me before, Lisa, don't get on there. I, I so I said okay. You did a good job. So oh my uh, god. <laughs> <laughs> That wants you to. I want you, and I, again, you probably can't tell it. I know you're not going to tell it, and I probably don't want you to tell it the way that you did before because it was the emotions that really got me. Um, but you know, it's usually, you know, we talk about. Uh, I always talk about when you read certain books and you go to certain events. That change doesn't happen like that. You got to keep reading, keep listening, keep going, and doing all that. But there are some things um, where a person could change all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, how a son is trapped under a car and a lady can pick the car up or, you know, some emotions that can make you change. That's a rarity, though. That's why I always say you go to these events uh, on the weekend and you pay a lot of money. You know, there's some things that you hear, but you got to work on that to keep that change going. Mm-hmm. But you talked about something in, when you were incarcerated that made you think and say, I got to do something. And that was the uh, Mr. Man story. So mm-hmm. can you wrap it up with that and talk about how okay. that how that changed you uh, and made you more focused on what you were going to do? Absolutely. So while I was in Grafton, I'm in the open door. So we just on the bunk beds in the rows like you see on movies and stuff. Bunk bed, bunk bed, bunk bed, two rows. So there's an older guy right across from me like on the rack. I think it's like catacorn to me. He's right across from me on the bottom rack. And 
he had been in jail a long time. He was like what I call a dinosaur. He went out with the old guys, like when the sun went down and talked crap on the bench and played trianomos, which is like dominoes with their triangles. I've never played. It looks corny. But anyway, played trianomos, red westerns. He didn't do nothing. He was worthless. He was worthless to society. He was worthless to our community within prison. He had no game to give us, no programs to run. He didn't do nothing. So over time, he stopped doing activities like this. Maybe the course of the month. I don't know how long it took. He just stopped engaging in the things he would do because he was like clockwork. And everybody knew, you know, this is what he does. And dude started dying. Like, I watched this dude just give up on life and die. Because you got to stand for certain counts. You got to stand up and they come through and they count you. Like, he couldn't even stand for count. They would take him over to medical and see what's wrong with him and bring him back. He'd be over there just crying all day. Dude just died. I don't know if he had a illness. I don't even dug into it. So when he finally passed away, and I literally watched this dude's demise, like watched him die in prison, worthless to society, worthless to himself, never giving nothing back to society. And everybody was saying, oh, man, that's so sad. Or, he was stupid. Everybody had an opinion. For me, what I saw was, Lewis, that's you. You sit on this record, you ain't doing shit. And you're going to die one day. Don't die in here and be worth something. So that like, and... I'm going to say this. I think the word you're looking for is not change. I think action. Because action is what leads, you know, new inputs with new outputs. So when a person starts taking any action, that momentum compounds to them. Because once you start getting further up the road, you start, like I was talking about, you get them victories. You start getting confidence in your ability to accomplish. Because that's the thing. You don't want confidence in accomplishments because they come and go. Man, you reach this mountain. You're like, oh, this mountain wasn't even that big. You want the next mountain, you keep chasing it's your ability to accomplish. That's what you want confidence in. If you have confidence in your ability to accomplish, you can repeat that. Mm-hmm. So it caused me to take action and through that action, change my life. Mm-hmm. My life changed because I started doing different actions. But the joke, and I tell everybody this, that the dudes is at the worst state. I said, dude, if you go through what it takes to become who you're supposed to be, if you take that call to action and you start what you're going to find out, the little joke, the little thing that make you laugh in your heart, people don't change. I'm the same person that's eight years old, that feelings get hurt easy, that start crying and look for a truck to hit you in the head with because you hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Same person. I ain't changed. Take I have my ball skill. and go home. I have more skill. This is why I said Stuart J. Avalon. I have more skill now. I have more insight into who I am. I have more growth education. I can take experiences now and break them down and learn from them. That's what's changed, my, my mm-hmm. ability. I'm the same person. I am the same, get the same emotions, same thoughts, same person. Still love toys that get the little, like at Christmas time, like a Sam's Club or something, and I see the little toy, it had a little thing and the little gun goes, I hit the button and stuff one time. Like that would be a cool toy for somebody, I ain't got no kids. They keep on going. So same person, right? same person. You don't change really. You develop skills, and that's the people always looking to change. You gonna be who you are. You the same person. The only reason why you uncomfortable, your uncomfortableness, is testimony that you're not doing what you should be doing. It's just like when you get a stomach ache. Your stomach ache is showing you you have digested something that does not agree with you. Mm-hmm. So when you say, "Oh, I'm so miserable. I'm, I'm I don't like this. I don't like that." 
you're attesting to you're not supposed to be living this life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You said I'm not consenting to what I'm doing. So what you need is more skill and discipline to take action. Because that's how you coming up. That's how you're getting the victories. Through action and skill. Man, you know, look. Action through change. You action and skill. Action and skill. That's what you gotta keep learning. Action and skill. Action and skill. Action and skill. I gotta I gotta follow up with that, man, because I think about all the kids growing up um in you know impoverished neighborhoods or just growing up period not just in impoverished neighborhoods but you know the skills that they have like you said are not there and when they don't have the skills it frustrates and when they frustrate they They do something yeah i was remember we talked about with your son seal seal you know he has a verbal game that he could talk and i like man don't mess around and say something to the wrong and they get offended because they can't respond the way you respond now the only way they can respond is to fight but the only way they can respond is to shoot because now you to hit them with something that they don't have the skills to respond to and that's a lot of things like even uh uh listening to jay the other day he was talking about you know when you, you step on somebody tennis shoe they get mad and all that they it's it's their frustration or they're feeling like they're less than if you know it's like they can't deal with the skill level to respond like they want to so now it's just it's just a mess that goes on and that's a good point i never thought of the word skill i thought of i thought of them not being up to par or whatever but it is that's it the skills to respond the way you need to respond yeah and when you don't have that skill you stop growing so that's why you have so many adults masked or so many children walking around in adult bodies because they're still the same 13 year old that's been matriculating through life but not gaining gathering any skill mm-hmm. and and they and a lot of them know it that's why jay was saying that's how the fight start because they're like why are you looking at me and they're, and they're, you're not really looking at them, but they ask you that because they know they're inferior. They don't have the skill level and they think you know it. And so why are you looking at me? Why are you staring at me? You can't do that. And nobody really looking at you like that. But that's you feeling, you know, not prepared to deal with it, not having the skill level to deal with it. So now you got a gun, you can shoot, you got a knife, you can stab, you can fight. And man, that's a let's let's roll into the end is with this. The two programs that you have set up that can help people with that. I know a lot of it deals with trauma. You got the books mm-hmm. and bruises and you got another program that you set up. What is that? So the programs that I developed are builders. Builders is builders, rebuilding families and communities as we rebuild ourselves. So the program is literally what the title says. I take the participant through a rebuild, a mental rebuild. You have to militarize your mind. You have to militarize your mind and you have to be able to magnetize things. You have to be able to draw things to your mind that you want. And the only way you do that is by saying no. If you don't know how to say no, you never have success. This is something my mother told I never knew. She told me this, I've learned this, I just learned this since I've been released. And I guess is why I'm so, I don't know, confrontational, we'll say confrontational for lack of a better word. Because in school, I was a kid. I don't like what the teacher doing. I leave school. We talking about third grade. I get my coat. I'm leaving. I don't like this. I'm done. I was cutting school. So I'm leaving. I'm, I'm done. I don't have. I can't. You can't make me do nothing. I'm done. 
So my mother told me when she was young, because she was such a pushover, she didn't want to. She taught me about she taught us how to say no. I didn't know this. So think about this. This is something she purposely put time towards when we were young on how to tell, no, I ain't doing that. I'm not going. Now, unfortunately, because I didn't have any skill, any purpose, that no turned into this rebellious behavior that led to something bad. But to say a no ain't bad. I will reject something in a second. And I don't care how you feel about it. Mm. Your feelings can be heard on it. No, I ain't going. We ain't doing no, nope. It's over with. So that is a skill that is necessary because if you don't have it, like about you will be blown with every win a doctor. Mm-hmm. So Builder teaches you how to, from the inside out, from the inside out, to start getting those skills. Like Stuart J. Abline said, start getting those skills. So then you can do what you actually want to do. Because like I say, you saying that I don't like this is you attesting to this is not what you want to be doing. People don't know that. Your complaints, when you hear somebody complaining, they're complaining and the gap is the skill and the action. Oh, I hate my husband. I hate my marriage. I hate my life. I want to do this. I hate my job. You're attesting that you're bigger than this, that you do want to move on. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. The, the thing that's got me, that's what builders get. You get a skill and the action. How do I get What age? What age do you start at with builders? Builders right now is for adults. Builders okay. right now is for adults. I'm working on a juvenile program based around Reed. I've like blended a juvenile program. So I do have a juvenile like template, like a prototype, like a pilot program. But right now it's based on adults. It's not just a prison program. This is for anybody that wants to get a new output. I don't care if you want to lose weight. I don't care if you want to stop smoking. Because it's all about skill and will. And it's about skill. If you get the skills, then you can accomplish your will. Because your complaint, you saying this ain't good enough. Because there's a lot of people that, how many people you don't smoke cigarettes? They ain't trying to smoke. They ain't trying to stop. Mm-hmm. How many people overweight? They don't care nothing about you being overweight. They don't care about the diabetes. They don't care nothing about it. They cut the leg off. They don't care. They don't keep on eating pork chops. Like you say. Yeah. You know what they talk about? Won't he do it? They waiting on them to come and won't he do it? God wants to be skinny. He'll make me skinny. Yeah. So, you can't even deal with that. That's after you got to know when you're dealing with a loser. Just give mm-hmm. up on that. Complainers, you can work with. Because the complainer is telling you, I don't like this. I just don't have a style to run with. So Builders gives you a style to run with. It deals with the cognitive. It deals with, if you can label things, you can control it. Okay. When I found out about executive functioning skills and frustration tolerance and decomposing problems and critical thinking and what that really is and those processes... Now it's like, oh, wow, I could do that. It's like when I found out about what trauma does. I said, oh, that's my problem. Because once you can put a label on it, then what I can do is I can go look for the cure. See, if I don't know what's wrong with me. We're going to do a part. We're going to do a part two of this, man. But we're going to go and wrap it up now. Yeah. Yeah. uh, What what, what, the books for bruises? What about that? Well, books for bruises, books for bruises deals with improved literacy will improve vocabulary, it will improve imagination, it improves empathy. All those things are evidence-based to improve behavior uh, modification. So you're going to get improved behavior in children, and adults when you start reading through reading, specific reading. Like you asked me those five books. You take those five books right there and read them for the rest of your life. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. The reason why you'll be fine is it will. you'll be led to the right path. Mm-hmm. You'll be led to the right path. You'll be led to how to fix your finances, how to fix your relationships, how to be a better mother. How to be, You'll be led to that. You don't have to read all that. If you just read those, because it deals with identity. It deals with you being able to label what's wrong with you and improving your vocabulary. They had those skills 
think this is from Stuart Dabon. This ain't me, but it's a great insight. Why do we say the terrible twos? Because two-year-olds begin to pull up on stuff, begin to walk, so they're exploring. They're not just in the little little cradles no more. And they don't have words. They don't have skills yet to communicate. So they're terrible. They're always making a mess, temper tantrums. What about when you're 32 and you're still using the skills of a two-year-old to communicate because you don't have the vocabulary? Because you're walking around, you grown, everything happened. Your mama's sick. You cuss your sister out, slam the phone down, break the window in the car, and take off, and you gone for two days. Mm-hmm. And they say, your brother a loser. He ain't a loser. He love his mom. He want to be able to do something. He don't have a skill to be able to step up into that place where he want to to be able to covet the family and lead because he don't know what to say. Right. He don't know how to respond. Right. That's why wow. he do all that because he don't have the skill. Right. The emotion showing he got the love. He got he understand the magnitude of it. You know, it's like to you, he got an earache. He don't know how to say he got an earache, so he just acting a fool. Yeah. How to get some attention to make the pain go away. Yeah. 32 and doing that though. That's a problem. But it's the same thing. So yeah. So we I don't know. Okay. We live on that. I enjoyed y'all. Man, appreciate it. I enjoyed you too, man. My co-host, yeah. Miss Horsley, did a great job, man. Uh, like I said, appreciate we're gonna you. come back eventually do a part two of this and a part three, maybe. And what I, I gotta talk about Batman. I didn't get to talk about we gotta come back and talk about Batman. I know, I know, I know. I might flip it and let Miss Horsley be the co-host. I know you be the co-host, and this horseman might be the guest. I don't know. We oh, might do be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that and see what happens, man. But you know, our time is up. Another episode of um, Elite Psyche. And look, man, I'm glad he, whoever's watching this, make sure you subscribe and hit the all button and do all that stuff that they talk about. So when the new podcast or the new show, the big, big show comes out, then you'll get notified for it. So to then. All right. All right. Talk Good to job. y'all later. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah.